Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking Bellator 198, Fedor versus Mir, and a quick recap of UFC Atlantic City. And Shaq, it's going down tomorrow, Saturday, Fedor versus Mir, two legends of the sport. They were never able to fight because one was UFC champ, the other was pride champ, and now they meet in Bellator. Yeah, um, you know, Fedor's uh, one of the greatest of all time. Mir's a former UFC world champion, one of the best on the mat to ever do it. Um, you know, they're well past their primes, but it's still an entertaining fight. Well past their primes, but as you know, with these ageless clinics these days and, uh, you know, no USADA and Bellator, I think they might be able to work around a couple things, if you know what I mean. Yeah, of course. You know, they'll be allowed to take their steroids and uh, inject needles in their ass. <laughs> and speaking of injecting needles and asses, what did you think about that NFL draft last night, man? Uh, my boy uh, Baker Mayfield with the first overall uh, round pick. I mean, and uh, rightfully so. Um, you know, all the other quarterbacks, you know, uh, they're probably a, a little too soft. And uh, Baker Mayfield uh, is the one that, even though he's the most controversial, um, he's the one that's going to play his hardest, and he's the most competitive one. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about what you say on Twitter. It's about how you play on that field. And uh, let me ask you this. Are, are the Browns going to have more than zero wins this coming season? Yeah, I think they'll get a couple, but uh, I don't think they'll be uh, making the playoffs, if that's what uh, you're referring to. <laughs> well, well, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they haven't won a playoff game since uh, 1994. Yeah, and I mean, the uh, their organization has generally been a complete joke, so... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they remain a complete joke or if they uh, get it together. But most likely, they'll, they'll still be a complete a complete joke. But luckily for Cleveland, I mean, they still have uh, their first ever world champion in Stipe uh, Miocic. And, uh, you know, we'll see if uh, my boy LeBron lives up to the name. It's un it's unfortunate because Stipe is their champion. But, I mean, if we, if we went on those streets of Cleveland uh, and we asked, would they really know him? Well, he did get a parade. I, I will say that much. But, yeah, I get where you're coming from 100%. But, look, let's break down a couple of these fights real quick. First up, Rafael. It's actually Rafael Lovato Jr. It's funny because one of the media members during the press conference, they were like, Rafael. And he's like, my name's Rafael. I'm American. Only my Brazilian friends can call me Rafael. I was like, oh, shit. But, anyways, Rafael Lovato Jr., he's minus 405. The comeback on Gerald Harris is plus 360. Now, it's interesting, Shaq, because Gerald Harris literally got the call coming off the couch a couple days ago. Now, this is a guy that on his best day, he knocked out David Branch with a slam. On his worst day, he's going out there losing decisions to Josh Berkman. And Rafael Lovato, I'll tell you what, man, the kid's been impressive. He's been choking everyone out that he's faced. And the one time he went the distance against the former... I believe D1 wrestler Chris Honeycutt, he beat him as well. So Rafael Lovato's been very impressive. He's minus 405 for a reason. Who you got in this matchup? Well, you know, when Harris fought Berkman, uh, Berkman was back on the HGH back then, and, you know, he was uh, probably one of the better welterweights outside the UFC. So I, mean, I guess it would be a credible loss at the time. Um, and then Lovato, he's been doing his thing. I mean, I, I think uh, he's a little <clears throat> vulnerable on his feet, but he beat Honeycutt's last fight, who, you know, is a 
a decent, uh, you know, a, a good Bellator fighter. I mean, he wins. He's only lost, what, two fights maybe? Um, so, you know, that was a solid win. He submitted Mike Rhodes in the fight before that. And I think uh, Harris, I mean, was retired. And, you know, he's taking us off the couch. I think that if this fight hits the mat one time, it's probably going to be over. You know, if uh, they stand, I still think Lovato won that as well. Of course, I'll have to watch out for the power shots, of course. But uh, I think Lovato will be fine here if, as long as he gets us to the mat. Lovato also has another impressive win that we haven't mentioned. That's against a very hype prospect in Kevin Holland. This is a guy, look out for him on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender because I guarantee you he goes out there and gets a highlight reel finish and he will be the newest member of the UFC roster. I mean, it's a kid that decisioned Curtis Melender, you know, who the guy that just knocked out Tiago uh, Alves. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he, also, he, he also finished Jeff Neal. Yeah, so Kevin Holland's no slouch. Rafael Lovato submitted him in the first round. What Gerald Harris is known for, he's known for picking these dudes up and slamming them unconscious. But I don't know if you saw the last one. It was against a, you know, a fat scrub who uh, you know was eating Doritos the night before. Rafael Lovato ain't uh, you know going to the gas station getting corn dogs with extra cheese the night before the fight. And I think that look, Rafael Lovato, he's gonna find his way to the back of Gerald Harris. I think he's going to choke him out at some point. I think the minus 405 price tag is warranted. You know, you can make an excuse about the quick change in opponent, this and that. But I feel like Rafael Lovato has the same game plan every single fight. And you have to be training to fight a, a jiu-jitsu black belt of that caliber on the reg. And I don't think Gerald Harris has been doing that. I think he's simply happy to be here, happy for the opportunity. Shout out to him for stepping up. You know, he's coming off of retirement too. He thought He thought that was it. So, you know, he was retired three days ago. Now he's stepping in there with Rafael Lovato Jr. So I think the price tag is warranted. And I see uh, Rafael coming out here and uh, tapping him out. So how, Rafael Lovato Jr. for the win. Now next up in the co-main event of the evening, we got Best Fight Pick sponsored athlete, Emmanuel Matador Sanchez. He's minus 600, Shaq. The comeback on Sam Cecilia is plus 450. Now, Shaq, man, I kind of... You know, I don't want to say I regret hyping Emmanuel Sanchez up so much, but it looks like the days of uh, getting him at pick'em odds against Georgie Karakanian, getting him as an underdog against Daniel Strauss, getting him at under minus 250 against Marcos Galvo. Seems like those days are long gone, my friend. Yeah, um, you know, I think it was more so to just do the Cecilia sister. I mean, before Cecilia's last fight uh, against Galvao, which was a very close fight that could have won either way. I mean, he lost three in a row. I mean, the guy wasn't performing. He's got a losing record in, in the UFC. And quite frankly, he's just basic. I mean, he just swings big power bombs. And I mean, to be honest, I think if Manny stood in the pocket and exchanged power bombs with him, I think Manny could beat him there. I think Manny's better everywhere. Cecilia, I question his heart. I question his toughness. I question his chin. The question is submission defense. Well, I think he's a basic guy. He likes to, you know, uh, swing big hooks. And I just think uh, the pace of Manny, I think maybe early, you know, Manny will probably eat a couple shots. But as the fight uh, carries on, I just see the cardio, the uh, landslide advantage in cardio and just tenacity. And uh, I see Cecilia breaking eventually. And I think uh, Manny will finish him. You think he's going to finish him with strikes or with a submission? Whatever uh, Cecilia, whatever way he wants to go yeah, and if it happens, go with the scorecards. Uh, I, I see a 30-26. Look, I, I think Ma Emmanuel Sanchez, he's the future uh, Bellator featherweight champion. I cannot wait to see him in there with the likes of Patricio Pitbull, 
maybe a rematch with Daniel Weichel if he can somehow pull that upset off. Because Manny Sanchez, this is a guy that, you know, he's not the most athletically gifted, but he's got the heart of a lion. His cardio, I mean, he pushes a pace on guys that they can just not keep up with. The volume starts to pour on, and he breaks everyone he fights. And it's interesting seeing Manny Sanchez in a dog or pass situation when he's not the dog. You you know what I'm saying, Shaq, when he's a minus 600 favorite? But it's warranted, you know? If it was a minus 250 or less, it'd be max bet season. But unfortunately, you know, it's out of price range, so we're just going to have to sit back and enjoy. And I can't wait to see... uh, that Best Fight Picks logo inside the Bellator cage because, as you know, we are sponsoring Manny Sanchez. And this is the last week that you can use the promo code MATADOR to save 15% off any package. We already have our first max bet for UFC 224 posted. And Shaq, uh, you know the deal when we have a consensus max bet, right? UFC 224 in Brazil, max bet season, going to be easy money. Going to get the job done and uh, move on to the next week. When we have a consensus max bet, we are undefeated. Lifetime, that's our history. Consensus max bets, we are undefeated. We have one for UFC 224. So if you want to save 15% off that, go use the promo code MATADOR at bestfightpicks.com. Check out right now because this is the last week that we're offering that promotion. Now, obviously, we both got Emmanuel Sanchez. I'm going to pick him via finish as well. I do think that, look, just avoid the big bombs of Cecilia. Not like... Not like I, I don't think he can take him. I mean, Manny has an incredible chin. But that being said, you know, it's still a fist fight on a Saturday night. They still have four-ounce gloves. You know, you can't walk in there with your hands down and your chin up. You still got to go in there discipline. He does that. I think he runs away with this fight. And I, I think he breaks Sam Cecilia. Main event of the evening. We got the two legends. We got Frank Miris, minus 140. The comeback on Fedor Emelianenko is plus 120. Now, Shaq, they finally meet in Bellator. And this is a very anticipated fight. I'm hearing that the numbers are trending, that this might be one of their most watched events. So it's going to be nice having some eyes on that BFP logo. But real quick, in the main event, who are you taking? I'm going to go with uh, Fedor Emelianenko. I mean, last time Frank Mir fought, uh, I mean, that was a long time ago, man. I mean, that was when... Uh, I think when uh, Ross Pearson beat Chad LaPree, man, that was such a long time. Uh, I mean, and he's been, you know, doing other things. I really think, I think it's pretty obvious he's got one foot out the door. Um, he's pretty obvious he's here for a nice little six-figure paycheck. Probably even more than six figures, probably going to make a lot. Um, and, you know, Fedor, I mean, it was sad what happened in his last fight because, uh, you know, he did get knocked out. And Fedor, you know, that's just a guy... You know, if he, I feel like if Frank Mayer gets on top of him one time with that uh, 20, 30-pound weight advantage, you know, probably uh, will go Frank's way. But if they keep it standing, I think uh, Fedor's going to knock him out. Frank's chin ain't been touched in a long time. And uh, I got Fedor by first round KO. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting because I'm always rooting for Fedor. Look, I don't have any money on this fight. I don't have a dog in this fight, but... I'm a longtime Fedor fan. I mean, obviously, you know, got that signed uh, old school pick, old school photo of uh, Fedor on my wall. You know what I'm saying? The last emperor. And Frank Mir is also a legend. I've, I've been a fan of his as well. He was actually really good with his commentary back in the WEC days. But most recently, speaking of commentary, he's been flying out to Russia about every five weeks to do commentary for ACB. So you, you got to wonder... 
if that's had an effect on his training schedule because back in January, he was looking super overweight. Now, I watched the weigh-ins earlier today. Looks like he's back in shape. Looks like uh, not having USADA in the picture has definitely benefited him. So, physically speaking, he looks on point. Now, my question is, are his skills as sharp as they once were? You know, it, is he going to have that sharp boxing he had in that first no-gara fight? Has he been training his jiu-jitsu where uh, he's able to rip limbs off again? The thing with Fedor, many people criticized his last fight against Maldonado. And yes, he was a bit of a slower version than he once was. But I'll, I'll tell you this, man. The dude still got heart. The dude still wants to be there. If he was just showing up for a paycheck, he could have quit uh, after that first round. But instead, he came back and won the second and third round after getting 10-7 in the first. So, you know, that to me shows me that Fedor will always be a lifelong fighter. I mean, he's got the heart of a champion. And with Mir, we've never truly seen Frank Mir overcome adversity. I mean, maybe the second Noguera fight, he was getting a little teed off on, but I feel like Noguera simply made a mistake there. And uh, Frank capitalized. But I've never seen Frank Mir win a back-and-forth fight. So either Mir is going to be able to catch him or Fedor can catch him too. But if it's a long, drawn-out battle, I actually do see uh, Fedor Emelianenko getting the better of that. So... I'm going to go with the last emperor here, man. I'm going to go with uh, Fedor for the win. So before we recap UFC AC, just got to remind them, go to bestfightpicks.com, use the promo code MATADOR because that promo code will expire by Monday to save 15% off any package. Already got our first max bet for UFC 224. It's going to get the job done. And real quick, man, about UFC Atlantic City. Kevin Lee went out there against Edson Barboza. And, you know, it's one thing to get a win over Barbosa. And, you know, we, we thought that the fight with Khabib and Barbosa, that's about the most dominant you can get. I feel like Kevin Lee took it to another level, Shaq. Yeah, um, it was kind of surprising to see Edson in that state. I thought Edson was done within a matter of seconds. So it uh, pretty pretty much let me know Khabib probably did uh, ruin his life, just like how Khabib ruined Michael Johnson's life. So, you know, I guess... Uh, Kevin, I, I still think Kevin's a top, you know, five guy. I think he is number five. So yeah, um, <clears throat> I think Kevin, uh, Kevin's one win away from a title fight. You know, it's him, the it's him, Poye, and Eddie. So who, who those three are uh, in the running. So you know, um, but I thought it was a great performance. Um, it's it surprised me to see Edson looking like that, and uh, I think Edson's probably on on his way out. And you know, I think he needs to take a lot of time off. Yeah, he definitely needs to take a lot of time off because if this would have hit the scorecards, we, we might be looking at, uh, you know, 50-43. And the fight prior to that with Khabib was, you know, what, 30-24, uh, you know what I'm saying? So he's been taking consistent ass whoopings by two similar styled opponents. But with Kevin Lee, it wasn't just, you know, how imposing he is in the tie-ups and how strong he was and how quick he was able to get him to the mat. I mean, he walked Edson down in the pocket and he was landing some hard shots on against him on the feet too, Shaq. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, Edson, I mean, immediately backed up into the fence. I mean, I mean, Kevin is a physically imposing guy, and a lot of guys get scared about that size. And, I mean, he's probably got the best tie-up in the game. So I think he's got a better tie-up than Khabib. I'll go ahead and say it. You know what else I want to say? How about that recoverability of Kevin Lee? Because when he ate that wheel kick, you know, we've seen other people go out stiff like a board. They never come back the same. And Kevin Lee, you know, three seconds after he got hit with that kick and he did the salsa dance, he's on top of landing a takedown of his own. 
Yeah, uh, I thought it was bad fight IQ from uh, Edson. I mean, but at the same time, he was completely gassed. So, uh, you know, yeah, it was uh, it was great that he survived and uh, that he showed the wits to stand the fight and dominate. And I'm interested to see where he goes. You know, the sad thing with Edson is that, you know, we've always said for a long time he might be the best athlete, just pure athlete in the UFC. But when the going gets tough, you know, he's not necessarily known for winning back and forth fights. The only back and forth fight I can recall him winning is the Danny Castillo fight, which many people thought he lost. And that was a long ass time ago. Now, he, he, he beat Danny Castillo's ass and he beat uh, Paul Felder in a back and forth fight. He beat Benel Darius in a back and forth fight. Now, my question, here, my question here is, you know, I still think he can beat a lot of top 15 guys, but are we going to eventually get to the Joe Lozon punching bag point with Edson Barbosa after uh, two straight serious ass whoopings? Yeah, I think so, man, because I feel like the blueprint is out there now. I feel like a year ago, everyone was at the, still had this reputation of Edson Barbosa as the scary striker, but now the blueprint is out there to beat him. Get in his face, crowd him, touch his chin. You know, he obviously doesn't like to wrestle, and, you know, he obviously struggles to get up off his back. So I think from now on it's probably going to start going a lot downhill. And uh, the, with the guys coming up at 155 these days, I mean, it's uh, the deepest division in the UFC, so I, I do think it's going to go downhill. Now, the thing is, he's still considered, you know, a top six guy, so – you know, he's got to fight tough competition. I mean, are we going to try to give our boy James Vick that big-name win? Do we want to see Justin Gaethje get a rebound win? Or, I mean, are you thinking some guys outside the top 15 for Edson Barboza? No, I think he can. You know, he'll be fed to these guys coming up, like the OAMs, the Vicks, the Hernandezes of the world. And, you know, that's just how the game works now. So, you know, if uh, – if, uh, Vic doesn't uh, accept this fight with Felder. He should. Uh, well, the thing is, Edson Edson's probably going to take a year off unless he wants to come back for another paycheck. But uh, you know, Edson Gaethje. You know, I think Gaethje would win that fight. To be honest, um, and uh, it's it's a tough man. Um, I just I, I think uh, his days are numbered at 155. Now, as far as Kevin Lee is concerned, I mean, should he sit out and wait for a title shot? Should he try to get a fight with Eddie Alvarez? I personally don't want to see Kevin Lee versus Dustin Poirier. I feel like Dustin Poirier has punched his ticket to that next title shot. So, I mean, are you thinking Kevin should wait? Should he take Eddie or uh, maybe a rematch with Tony? Um, I think uh, the rematch with Tony is definitely out the question. Uh, you know, it's probably going to be Poirier or Eddie. I mean, you know... Unless uh, the thing is, if they go with the Poirier Eddie rematch, uh, then Kevin's, you know, he's gonna have to take another fight or sit up. So it's a uh, there's gonna be one out of those three that uh, end up with their dick in their hand. So it's uh, gonna be unfortunate to see who it is. Hopefully, it's not Dustin, but uh, one of those guys is gonna end up getting fucked over. Now, how do you think Kevin Lee would match up with Khabib? Because I mean. There's a certain presence he brings to the table when he ties these guys up. Yeah, uh, I think could be could be his first L is right around the corner, man. I mean, you know, of course his wrestling's good, but I mean, Kevin Lee is, uh, in my opinion, might even have like a little bit of cleaner style, man, because um, you know Khabib has a tendency to shoot from like really far out, but at the same time, he was in a you know pressure moment against Ayakinta where it was just. 
you know, I can't lose this fight. And he's still 50-43 him. So, um, I think Kevin matches up well. You know, on paper, everyone's uh, saying, you know, Poi is the easiest fight for Khabib. Because, you know, Poirier doesn't have the wrestling background, but I wouldn't sleep on DP's wrestling. Um, but on paper, I would say Kevin probably, you know, probably brings the most problems. But uh, but between you and me, Ali and Khabib want no part of Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eddie Alvarez is known for playing spoiler. I remember when he was counted out against RDA, and man... Eddie Alvarez is a guy uh, you don't count out. That's all I have to get. And don't don't bring the dog out of Eddie. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? Exactly. So Frankie Edgar took on Cub Swanson. Now, look, I said on the show that nine times out of ten, Frankie Edgar beats Cub Swanson. But if there was one time that he could potentially lose the matchup, I mean, it had to be last week. Because, look, he had everything going wrong for him. You know, he, he was coming off a knockout loss to Brian Ortega. He was still on medical suspension. His manager told him not to take the fight. There was the unfortunate passing of his father the week before. Frankie goes out there. He gets a 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards, man. I mean, the first time they fought, he beat Cub Swanson on the mat. The second time they fought, he dominated him on the feet. I mean, Frankie Edgar, we already knew he was a future Hall of Famer. But, I mean, way to solidify that. Yeah, um, you know, I think he picked the right opponent. I feel like if it was anyone else, you know, he might have, he might have uh, took another canvas snap. Um, you know, Cub, Cub. I mean, like we said on the show uh, last week. I mean, look at his wins on that street: Artem, Tatsuya, Choi, and uh, Akron. Like, you know, those guys <laughs> are all friends in my opinion. So, you know, I I totally expected him to kind of lay an egg. Um, I still think he's, you know, the a top 10 guy, but I think his days are numbered as well, man. And, uh, you know, he's looking for a fight with Hanacho, and uh, I think that's a, not a smart idea. Oh, I think it's a very smart idea for our pocketbooks, and uh, I sincerely hope that they make that matchup, you know, because uh, at some point, the top five guy, when if he, if he can't get that title shot and he can't beat the guys below him, you got to let the guys that are ranked above you, or excuse me, ranked below you, you got to give them their chance. And I feel like he was kind of broken going into the fight. I mean, his interview. Uh, and when I saw that interview, I instantly knew he wasn't going to win this fight. Uh, I mean, it just seemed like, you know, he... he. Uh, I feel like he wants these fights where, like, he's the vet and he's fighting a prospect. And so he can... He's looking for motivation. He's looking for answers, in my opinion. So uh, I thought he laid an egg. But, I mean, Frankie was going to win that fight no matter what, under any circumstances. And uh, Frankie, I mean, I feel like him and Hanatsu could get get, uh, get it in as well. Yeah, but for Frankie, I think he's going to sit out and wait for the winner of uh, Max versus Ortega. And uh, I cannot yeah, wait. I, 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 personally, I personally think that's a joke. I mean, he got knocked out. Like, <laughs> like, I think that's a joke. I think he needs to win, like, two more fights. Like, he got knocked out in the first round. He, like, bro, you got to climb back up the ladder, like. I understand he's a big name and all, but, like, how many title shots are we going to give this guy? Nothing's changing in that division. Oh, Frankie Edgar getting another title shot. Like, he got knocked out. Listen, I mean, facts are facts, but if Max comes out and beats Ortega, that's a big if. But if he does, you know, Max versus Frankie, that's a fresh matchup. So don't just don't be surprised is all I got to say. Now, heavyweight division, Justin Willis and Chase Sherman had a had a nice little three-round knock. You know, Justin Willis came out hard in that first round, dropped him. And I'll tell you what, man, Chase Sherman, even though he did get dropped in that first round, 
Second and third round, uh, he showed some improvements, man. He was slightly more elusive than he has been in past fights. You can tell he's been trying to move, uh, move his head off that center line a little bit. I personally hope they don't cut him because I did see the improvements. But, I mean, what was your opinion of Willis versus Sherman? Um, you know, I thought it was a lackluster fight. Uh, I thought Sherman, you know, performed well, um, you know, for his skill level. Um, I definitely thought he made, you know, a slight improvement. Um, Willis, you know, it was a lackluster fight. I think he's one of those heavyweights where, you know, if he doesn't knock you out in the first round, then it's going to be, you know, a snooze fest like a lot of typical heavyweight fights. And uh, I'm interested to see who he fights. Um, man, I actually had a good fight for him. I can't remember who it was. Um, man. Oh, yeah, it was uh, Justin Willis versus, uh, was it? Wait, no. Oh, well, fuck it. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's, he's going to have a good career. I definitely think, you know, first L time, or oh, he's already took his first L, but first L time in the UFC is right around the corner. And uh, I think he's a nice slick southpaw. Sherman, I think they will keep him. I mean, he is, I guess, what we would consider a fan favorite just because of his Twitter account. But I definitely think uh, his next fight is make or break. Yeah, look, I'm thinking Justin Willis versus uh, Shamil Abdurakimov, man. I mean, you know, he's number 15. Shamil's number 13. Take a step up the ladder, match those two up, and uh, see who the better man is. And with Chase oh, yeah, Sherman. Yeah. How about, uh, how about Justin, Justin Willis versus my boy Adam Wachereck? Okay, I, I like that as well. You know, my boy Adam Waitrek pulling off Uma Plata's at heavyweight, you know what I'm saying? So that that might be a good matchup as well. And you know what you could do? You could bring uh, Mr. Arjan Bueller and put him in there with Chase Sherman. Yeah, for sure. Or we uh, we got a new heavyweight. Uh, we got Blagoy Ivanov in there now, so, you know, we got him as well. Oh, yeah, my boy Blagoy got signed. Look out for him. Serious, uh, serious fighter. Now, man. This one shocked me. David Branch versus Tiago Santos. Look, I said if the fight hits the mat one time, it'll most likely be over. Now, the fight did hit the mat one time, and it was over. But it wasn't how I expected, Shaq. You know, I was referring to if Branch takes Santos down, takes his back, chokes him out. He goes out there. He knocks out the dangerous KO artist in Tiago Santos in under three minutes, Shaq. Yeah, uh, that was a great performance, and Branch proved that he's one of the most underrated guys. He shut a lot of people up. Uh, people thought that Mahedo was going to kick him one time and the fight was going to be over. So, you know, I thought Mahedo was going to knock him out as well, but Branch showed that uh, he's one of these guys that you can't sleep on. And, uh, you know, preferably I'd like him to fight, you know, a, uh, you know, maybe a... Uh, I was going to say Brad Tavares, but I think Brad Tavares should uh, hold out for a better fight. But I think Branch, Branch is a top 10 guy, man. I mean, I think he solidified that. He beat uh, Kristoff. He beat uh, and um, Mahedo Santos. So I think uh, he's got a bright future as well. And it's funny because uh, he was supposed to fight Yoel. And, you know, although a lot of people uh, think Yoel would have probably launched him, don't sleep on my boy Dave Branch, man. Yeah, look, I, I got Yoel in that matchup. Here's what I'm thinking, and I know this might sound kind of funny, but look, Vitor Belfort and Lyoto Machida are about to fight. Now, before you laugh, Vitor's ranked number nine in the middleweight rankings. Lyoto's ranked number 12 in the middleweight rankings. Both those guys are ranked. 
I say Dave Branch was the winner of uh, Machida and Belfort, man. You know what I'm saying? Take him in there. Put him in there with a legend. Maybe that'll help uh, his name grow a little bit. For sure, for sure. And, you know, uh, both those guys, you know, their clocks are ticking. But another good option would be uh, they got an, another star brewing and my boy Paulo Boratini about to fight uh, Uriah Hall in a few weeks. So he might get the winner of that as well. You know, Paulo's number 15, Uriah's number 11, right? And uh, that's because, you know, Uriah knocked out Kristoff, but turns out Kristoff was a fraud. And, you know, <laughs> you know uh, Uriah also did beat Gegar Mousasi. So uh, I guess I understand why. Let's just say that's going to change very, very soon. That's all I got to say about that. But, uh, man, this is the one that I was completely wrong about. Aljamain Sterling defeated Brett Johns 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards. Now, you know, there's times when you're wrong and it's because of a fluke. There's times when you're wrong, and it's because of an injury. And then there's times when you're wrong because you're just simply 100% wrong, and this is one of those situations, and I called this fight wrong. Aljamain Sterling was the better man. Brett Johns wasn't ready, and Aljo was able to do his little thing to, to Brett Johns in this one. Now he's calling out Dominic Cruz. Yeah, props to Aljamain. He was the better fighter. And uh, he definitely seemed like he uh, gained a lot more physicalness and uh, seemed like he was a little more tuned in, man. Uh, generally, he uh, you know likes to back up and shy away from punching exchanges, but perhaps him, his hands got a little better and uh, his toughness got a little better. So I think he's a, uh, I think he's a little stretching out uh, with the Dominic Cruz call out, but I think uh, he should find my boy Cody Stamen next. Yeah, you know, that's definitely a fight that uh, I'd be interested in. You know, you got number eight in Aljamain Sterling versus number 11, Cody Stamen. Sign me up. I'm all for it. And as far as Brett Johns, uh, he's got to go back to the. To, he's got to go to the back of the line and uh, work his way back up. He's currently number 14. You got guys like Tomas Almeida at number 13. You got Eddie Wyland at 15. So there's lots of options for Brett Johns. I'm sure he will come back. I mean, look, he had to take his first L. No one is exempt from that first L. It was simply first L time for Brett Johns and uh, props for. Props to Sterling for being the better man on the night. That, that's all I got to say about that. Now, Dan Hooker took on Jim Miller. And look, we both thought Hooker was going to win, but I didn't know he was going to win at the three-minute mark of the first round via KO. And the only thing that sucks is that we couldn't get a minus 250 or better to max bet it. You know, it was about minus 350, and rightfully so. They knew this was a bit of a mismatch with Jim, you know, being on his way out. And Dan Hooker being on the way up. And I got to say, Dan Hooker's been looking better at 55. I know he was in there with Ross Pearson and Jim Miller and, you know, DeCasey, who's super green. But look, man, he isn't getting hit with the same amount of shots that he used to. He's moving his head better. He's finding his distance better. I feel like, uh, you know, I'll go as far as saying that he might be a new man at 155 pounds. Yeah, I think he is a a new man at 155. I wasn't shocked at all by the knockout. Jim's damage meter has been adding up for a long time, especially his last three fights with Poirier, Pettis, and Trinado. It made perfect sense that he uh, went stiff that night with the three ass whoopings he's been taking. So I think uh, Hooker, you know, he's a. I think his days, his best days are ahead of him. And, you know, I, I like that Paul Felder call out because when I really think about it, what the fuck has Paul Felder done? I mean, Charles Oliveira, Alessandro Ricci, and Stevie Ray, I mean, big whoop, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I was a fan of the call-out. I mean, he did it right in front of his face. So uh, if not that, I, I think he uh, deserves a you know a big spot, you know, maybe on an Australian card against somebody, you know, maybe a uh, 
Man, who's a lightweight? Uh, maybe Gilbert Burns versus Dan Hooker. Boom, right there. Yeah, Gilbert Zarino versus Dan Hooker is a good fight. If Paul Felder wants that fight, I'm okay with that. I know Paul Felder has his sights set on someone else, and all I got to say about that is be careful what you wish for, Paul. Take take the Dan Hooker fight, kid. You know what I'm saying? But uh, either way, I'm excited to see what's next for Dan Hooker. And as far as Jim Miller's concerned, he says he wants to come back in July. So, you know, how can you say no, no to a guy like Jim Miller? And I think the perfect guy for Jim Miller to come back to is uh, another guy that took out a vet recently, and Chris Gritzmacher. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a, uh, you know he, you know, he you know he wanted he wanted Chris Gritzmacher. He wanted to fight Gritzmacher, but Lozon got the fight. So hey, you, you can get him now. Yeah, your wish is my command, right? So yeah, I think uh, I think Jim Miller versus Chris Gritzmacher. I agree with you. That is a good matchup. You know, not much to say about LaFleur versus Garcia. You know, it was a typical after Garcia gas, LaFleur took over. It was what it was. But one fight I do want to talk about, Ricky Simone versus Marab Devalishvili. Now, whatever we say here is going to be super controversial. So, ha- have at it first, man. I mean, was he out or was he not out? Look, okay, there's two sides to look at it. You can look at the betting side. If you had money on the fight, or you can look at the 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 street side or the what really happened side. In terms of a rules aspect, in terms of a betting aspect, if I had money on Marab Divisrelli, I would have been absolutely fucking pissed <laughs> because in my eyes, he didn't tap. Um, yes, he did go out. It was pretty fucking ugly. He went out, um, but he didn't tap. And the bell rang. When the bell rings, the fight's over. It goes to the cards. Plain and simple. You know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I thought it was pretty cut and dry. The thing is, in terms of a real aspect, in terms of a street aspect, what really happened, Ricky Simone choked him out. He punished him. I mean, Marab got, you know, knocked out on the takedown. And, you know, he went out. The thing is, Marab's such a warrior, he didn't tap. So, at the end of the day, I understand both sides. It sucks. This, this is the part of the game. These things, tend, you know, happen from time to time. I think him appealing it, I think it actually got denied, which is which is what I expected to happen. But, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, that it went that way. I mean, the guy can't catch a break. I mean, he beat Frankie. And, you know, this thing's happened in his, in, you know, in his area. Even though he's not from New Jersey, you would think uh, it's his adopted hometown. So I was thinking that thing was totally uh, going to go to the cards, but Shout, shout out to Ricky Simone. Like we said, he's a winner. He finds a way to win. And I think he's going to go on to win a lot of fights in the UFC. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, the fight I want to see from Rab next, just to, you know, because he unfortunately went 0-2, which, you know, it sucks because I thought he beat Frankie Signs. It turned out he had the flu that night. And you could see it was evident because look at his energy level in the Ricky Simone fight. It was a completely different guy. I feel like if that guy would have fought Frankie Signs, uh, you want to put him to sleep, but the fight I want to see now is Marab Devalishvili versus Andre Sukumtut. I mean, c- go ahead and give my boy Marab a win. You know what I'm saying? Uh, how, how is Sukumtut going to find a way to lose that one is all I got to say. But look, as far as the controversy is concerned, if you look at the 56-second mark of the third round, you know, when there's 56 seconds left on the fight, Marab gets knocked out by by the takedown. I mean, he slams his head on the mat. He goes limp. That's the only reason that Ricky Simone was able to so effortlessly reverse him and mount him. 
I mean, the dude was limp. He was out cold. <clears throat> and then he woke up in the choke. So from there, the whole bicycle kicking thing, Mark Goddard, who is probably the worst ref in the history of the sport, said that Marab wasn't aware of what he was doing. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But what I will say is, at the very end of the fight, when the final bell rang and Ricky let go of the choke, Marab was out cold for at least two seconds. Now, does that, does that mean that the win should go to Ricky? Because like you said, Shaq, when the bell rings, the fight's over. And when it's over, it's over. But, you know, you remember a fight between Gray Maynard and uh, Rob Emerson when they both knocked each other out, right? And, uh, you know, when you're unconscious, I mean, it's different, you know, because people are trying to bring up that Sean O'Malley, oh, he couldn't get up. But that was different. He wasn't unconscious. He was just injured. The thing is, the thing is with Gray and Rob, they both they both got knocked out. The thing is with this, like Matt Brown said, I think Matt Brown said it best. It's cut and dry. He didn't tap. The bell rang. The fight's over. It doesn't matter if he was unconscious or not. I mean, he he was unconscious, but he woke right back up. And I think the doctors did kind of, you know, make a big deal out of it. But the thing is, Ricky from it. By, by a street sense, if that, if that fight happened on the street, Ricky Ricky won that fight. But with the rules, I think Matt Brown said it best. He didn't tap. The bell rang. Fight's over. It goes to the cards. Yeah, well said. I mean, if the ref wanted to step in and stop it, he should have done it with 56 seconds left at the third round because, you know, Marab knocked That's himself out with that takedown when he went out limp. You know, anyone that bet on Simone, you've got to be thankful. You know, these things tend to happen sometimes. And then whoever bet Marab, it's just like, man, it happens, man. It's a part of the game. You move on. It sucks that that happened to the kid two times in a row. And, uh, you know, maybe you can get this uh, Andre Sukumtaj fight or maybe a Matthew Lopez fight. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, Marab versus Andre Sukumtaj. And for, for Ricky Simone, Look, you could you could rush him to the top fifteen, but what I was thinking, how about uh get him a nice little win because we got a fight coming up in Chile between uh Henry Brionis and Frankie Signs and you know, just just get him another win in the UFC. Like let's showcase his talents. I mean he's just a kid, so I, I say put Ricky Simone in there with the yeah, winner. I thought that was, What's up? I thought that was one of his uh worship performances that I've seen out of him, but Ricky's still a kid, man, he's still grown. The fact that he still was able to Find a way to get your hand raised is uh, all that matters, and he's one of those guys. Yeah, and he took it on short notice, too. I mean, he just fought like two weeks prior on Access TV, so the kid's a complete stud, and I want to see him in there with the winner of uh, Henry Brionis versus Frankie Sainz. So that's uh, what I want to see next for Ricky and Murad versus Andre Sukumtut. Now, the knockout of the night, C.R. Baja Durzada versus Luan Chagas. I mean, up until that point, they were going to war CR was landing some hard shots on the feet, which he is known for, Shaq. Luan had a beautiful back take. They get back up to the feet. The second round starts. And my boy CR, he landed a, man, he landed a dagger to the body of Luan Chagas. Luan crumbled, and uh, that was all she wrote. Yeah, man. CR, you know, watching tape on CR, I mean, he uh, kind of shook me as one of these guys that's going to trick a lot of these young cats, man, because, you know, you look at him, he's got a gut, he's old, he fights once every two years. A lot of these young cats probably think they're going to get him out of here, but his uh, his setups for those chin touches, man, are very uh, deceptive, man. So, uh, Chagas, like we said on the show last week, he, he does have a cardio issue, and he's already got that slow, methodical style. 
mixed in with the cardio issues not, was not good in my opinion. And I, I predicted CR to, to knock him out in the second and third round. So uh, I think CR is one of these uh, guys that you can't sleep on, even though he is an old man, because even though he's an old man, his body really doesn't have that much miles on it because he only fights once every two years. So I think uh, CR, he should fight uh, an Alan Juban next, maybe. Or a, uh, you know, it's a fun fight. I don't want to see CR in there with, you know, a LaFleur who's just going to hug his legs and, you know, he's probably going to lose a decision. I want to see him against these young cats that are going to try to take his head off. Yeah, I agree with you. I had a match for him. I can't think of it right now, but uh, I do like CR versus Alan Juban. It's going to be sad to see one of those guys take a canvas nap because, as you know, when those two get in there, you know, someone's most likely going down. So I do like that CR versus Alan Juban matchup. And this was the last fight on Luan Chagas's deal. But, man, all uh, all four of his UFC fights have been super exciting. So I hope they re-sign Luan Chagas. He's a very exciting guy. And, you know, you could put Luan Chagas in there with my boy Josh Berkman. Unfortunately, I, I do think they're going to let him go. I think he, uh, I think it's, it's a case of, like we said, I feel like it's a case of why put him in these fights against all these old vets. And, you know, they offered him a contract, and he specifically did not take it to roll the dice. And, you know, we have seen him offer new guys, but you're going to have to take a low number. Hopefully he does. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they let him go one and three losses to Eric Silva. And, uh, you know, he's a young kid. I think he does need a little bit more seasoning, though. Yeah, I agree 100%. That's why I want to see him in there with the George Sullivans, with the Josh Berkmans, you know, with the with guys like, I was going to say the Eric Silvas, he already lost the hip shack. But, you know, you, you get where I'm going with this. So I hope they re-sign him. And with CR, only put him in exciting matchups. You know, if Matt Brown... Or Carlos Condit want to take that fight? That'd be incredible. So, yeah, CR Bahadrezada always electrifies the crowd. Now, a performance that really surprised me, that didn't surprise others, was Corey Anderson versus Patrick Cummins because, you know, I said before the fact, how could you trust either of these guys with your money? And Corey Anderson went out there and he proved me wrong because he had a max bet worthy performance over Pat Cummins. And, you know, he's a D3 wrestler. He took down the D1 wrestler multiple times. It looked like the D1 wrestler... Uh, he hadn't been training his wrestling for about five to ten years, Shaq. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, you know, a lot of times this D1 versus D3 thing kind of gets overblown just because, you know, D1 and D3. And uh, I think it's because my boy Brock Lesnar said back in the day, because, uh, you know, Brock's a Division one national champion, and when he fought Shane Carn, Shane Carn was a Division two national champion. And my boy Brock was like, uh, that's why the NCAA has to make Division two and Division three and <laughs> NAIA. So these kids, uh, what he said was really fucked up. He said, so these kids don't jump off a cliff <laughs> and uh, kill themselves because they're not good enough. So, you know, uh, I think the whole D3 thing, you know, it's MMA wrestling. You know what I'm saying? MMA wrestling. We've seen, we've seen plenty of D1 wrestlers. I mean, look at Jim Miller, John Moraga. Um, you know, those guys uh, have, you know, get taken down on the reg. So, you know, it's all about that MMA wrestling. Corey was the better fighter in every aspect of the game, and he was a max bet. Yeah, he beat the shit out of Pat Cummins. And a, a, uh, even more high-level example of what you're talking about, you know, Daniel Cormier is the Olympic wrestler. John Jones is the Juco wrestler. And uh, John Jones took down Daniel Cormier multiple times. So it really does come down to that MMA wrestling. Yes, sir. John Jones is a great example of that. He's, my boy John Jones and uh, Colby Covington was grinding it out on that Juco wrestling scene. <laughs> yes, sir. 
So the first fight of the night <clears throat> between Tony Martin and Keita Nakamura, you know, I said on the show that anytime Keita Nakamura is the dog, he's always worth a small shot. And man, it looked like he got old overnight, you know, from, from being a guy that can be in a back-and-forth war with Zaleski, from being a guy that can be in a back-and-forth war with Murano, choking out Li Jingliang. He had absolutely nothing for Tony Martin, and uh, that's the fight game. You get old overnight when you least expect it. And props uh, to Tony for getting a 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards. Yeah, Tony did his thing. I, I, I guess it was the uh, weight cut to an extent. Um, I'm interested to see where he goes from there, but he looked good. I mean, uh, I think Keitaro has always been old, but I just think he's been crafty. But that size that uh, Tony Martin put on was clearly evident. I mean, he definitely had the uh, pop on the shots. A hundred percent. Well, man, it was a fun card. Bellator 198 is going to be a fun card. Make sure you check out Best Fight Pick sponsored athlete Emmanuel Sanchez in the co-main event. And use the promo code MATADOR at bestfightpicks.com. Check out to save 15% off any package. And as we already said, Shaq, UFC 224, we already have a consensus max bet. And the line's still good for it. And when we have a consensus max bet, so far, we are undefeated on those. So uh, they better take advantage of that, Shaq. Yeah, UFC 224 in Brazil. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big night, probably even bigger than UFC 222, UFC 223. Uh, got one max bet down, might even have another. It's gonna be easy money and a solid night. Indeed, it is. I mean, Jacare versus Gastelum, Nunes versus Pennington, Lineker versus Kelleher, Vitor Belfort versus Machida, Zaleski's on the card, man. It's gonna be a serious one. I mean, I, I truly believe that uh, these max bets is gonna be some of the easiest money that uh, my clients has ever made, man. You know, last week, hey, it is what it is. Sometimes you lose. But the thing is, I always bounce back from my losses, and I can guarantee you, ain't no two uh, losing weeks in a row. Max, best season. You already know what that means. Put your money down. It's going to win. It's going to get the job done. And May is a huge month for us because not only do we have the max bet, which you already mentioned for UFC 224, we already booked it. It's already been sent out to our clients. And the line is uh, still... Not where it should be because it should be a lot higher. It's still very, very playable. Already had the max bet booked for UFC 224. We have big plans for the next card in UFC Chile as well. And uh, they can sign up at bestfightpicks.com. Use that promo code MATADOR. We'll be, uh, we'll be talking next week as well. And uh, follow Shaq at MMAGenius05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the play. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five-star reviews. Check out our official Instagram at Best Five Picks Official. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.